when uh, Marlene was talking, it uh, really touched my heart. We all uh, experience similar things, particularly since we are so different from others. But uh, she, from that point onward, she seems to have uh, made a firm determination to practice metta. Because of her metta, in spite of all these difficult events, incidents, situations, she continued. She continued <coughs> coming and creating space for all of us to come and meet like this. This is a real expression of metta. Had she given up at that time, we wouldn't have been here today. That is my strong feeling because she took initiative, went through all these things, organized things with the help of other good supporters, friends, and made this uh, available to all of us. The facilities are beautiful. Therefore, this morning I thought of speaking on that theme of metta. Metta is a healing meditation. Not only just calming, but healing. We all have been wounded and scars are there in all of us. When I thought, when I, when I uh, personally uh, think of uh, myself, I thought it was only me who had uh, <laughs> similar experiences. <laughs> then I, <clears throat> when I look around and talk to uh, people of uh, color, they all have that. Some have more, some have less. I have mentioned some of them in my books. Uh, uh, in one of the books I, I wrote uh, called Eight Mindful Steps to Happiness. And um, another one I have mentioned, very positive thing in the mindfulness in plain English. So this is what we all have to cultivate, metta. At the end of her talk, uh, uh, Michelle, uh, what is your name again? Michelle, it's, it's good. <laughs> Your pronunciation. No, I. This is the title of the book. Title. title. She said. She said title of a book. What is your name again? Oh. Huh? <laughs> Making the visible invisible. Yes. Making invisible invisible. Yes. <laughs> I just was joking. <laughs> At the end of her talk, <coughs> she recited very beautiful Pali passage for all of us in a very musical way. She sang it together with all of us. 
that is metta. Wishing all beings to be happy is metta. And wishing to remove others' suffering is compassion, karuna. <clears throat> we say, she said in Pali, Sadve Sata Sukhi Honto. May all beings be happy. That is metta. If we say, Sabbe Satta Dukkha Pamunchantu, may all beings be free from suffering, that is karuna or compassion. Ma Laddha Sampatito Vigachantu, that means may they all beings enjoy their achievements. That is mudita, appreciative joy. Kamma sakata, kamma dayado, kamma yoni, kamma bandhu, kamma patisarano, yankamankaristanti kalyanangva, papakangva, tasadayado, bhavisanti. That is upekha. That is, all beings are subject to their own karma. Their, their karma, karma is their relative, karma is their friend, karma is their inheritance, and they, they all live according to their karma. That is upekha or equanimity. These are called four Brahma Viharas. Four Brahma Viharas, once again, Metta, Karuna, Mudita, Upekka. Metta is loving friendliness, Karuna is compassion, Mudita is appreciative joy, Upekka means equanimity. <clears throat> These four are called Brahma Viharas in Pali. The word Brahma is used in Buddhist sense. The Brahma is used in, in Hinduism for the creator. And uh, in her talk she mentioned that Buddha was radical and uh, revolutionary. So Buddha denied that concept flatly, categorically. Uh, but the word Brahma, he adapted, borrowed to give and give a, gave a different meaning. Brahma in Buddhist terminology is the highest, the best. So the Brahma Vihara means the, the best behavior. You cannot think of better behavior than that. Living with metta, living with friendliness, living with compassion, living with appreciative joy, living with equanimity is the best behavior. Friends, when we try to practice metta, it is difficult. Once I was invited to give a retreat in Poland. A woman who invited me asked me, Bhante, what kind of meditation do you teach? Do you teach vipassana? I said, yes. What else? I said, I, practice, I teach uh, concentration, samadhi, samatha, jhana, meditation. Then she asked me, do you teach metta meditation? I said, yes. Then she said, I hate metta. 
She said that as soon as I heard that, I can see the wound that she has. The wound is so deep that she cannot practice metta. Therefore, that is the very thing we must practice. The, when we try to heal, when you try to apply medicine on a wound, it is very painful. We have, we have to clean the wound. When we are cleaning it, it is very painful. Even with difficulties, if we clean the wound and apply medicine, we can get cured. Practicing metta is very much like that. At the beginning it is very difficult because always we think, we remember the, the traumatic, very unpleasant, negative experience we had. But still, that is the place where we must start the practice of metta. Practicing metta is uh, Buddha recommended us to start with from us because we are the ones who are wounded and we must heal our wound before go, we go out and heal others' wounds because we are the ones who feel the hurt, the pain. And therefore we must practice metta towards ourselves first. Buddha said, Sabbadisa anuparigamma chetasa nevajjaga pietaramattuno khwachi tasma pyo putu atta paresang jasmane hinse parang attakamo. He said, I have surveyed the whole world with my supernatural mind to see whether there is one single person who loves others better than myself, oneself. And he said, I found none. I found no one who loves others more than oneself. Sometimes when people are in an emotional fit, they might say, darling, I love you more than I love myself. <laughs> that is an utter lie. <laughs> the truth, <laughs> truth is, <laughs> we must say, darling, I love myself more than I love you. <laughs> the moment, however, is so emotionally charged that you cannot say that. <laughs> so reality is that we all love ourselves more than we love anybody else. That is why we feel hurt. When, uh, when, when uh, 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 Marlene mentioned her experiences, she was the one who felt it, not somebody who has not gone through that experience. When I went through so many similar things in this country, <coughs> because I'm so different, not only my appearance, my dress, even the accent of my English, <coughs> and the religion and all this, uh, you know, made me uh, go go through similar experiences. I, if I were to tell you them, uh, my experiences, they are also enormous. 
Anyway, only one who goes through those experiences feel the pinch, feel the pain. And therefore, we must start first practicing metta, living friendliness towards ourselves to heal our own wounds. We begin to feel <coughs> the benefit, the peace, solace, comfort that we experience from the practice of metta. And then we have to focus on others. I would divide <coughs> all beings into four categories. Category number one has only one, the best category, that is me, I. <laughs> category number two have few, they are my parents, teachers, relatives, friends, brothers, sisters, if I have children, all my nearest and dearest ones. I put all of them into second category, next, only next to me. So I practice metta to myself and charge every part of my body, every drop of my blood, every cell in my body, every tiny little part of my mind, I want to charge with this feeling with this feeling of metta, so that I can feel the healing. And then my parents, my dear ones also have been hurt like that, one time or another, in one generation or another, <coughs> in one place or another, they also must have, might have been hurt, exactly like this, or even worse perhaps. Sometimes in the past, the way people dealt with others, discrimination was even worse than maybe today. Therefore, our parents, relatives, friends who are, who are no longer here, dead and gone, might have gone through even worse situation than myself. We don't know them. We have, they have no time to tell us all their experiences because they are very busy taking care of us. But if we were to take a stock record of their experiences, they might have gone through worse things than us because they are our relatives, our ancestors, our ethnic group, and therefore <clears throat> they deserve our living friendliness as number two, next to me. Third, I would put all beings together, the largest category, trillions of beings, human, animal, even divine, gods, goblins, fish, reptiles, insects, <laughs> all I put into the third category, countless number. They must have been hurt by somebody, some way. <clears throat> Sometime or another. Let them have the same healing. And then Finally, we radiate our loving, friendly thoughts towards those who have committed atrocities, insulted us, hurt us, because they themselves were not in their right frame of mind. They themselves are not in the right, uh, right mind. They have full of greed, hatred, and ignorance. Friends, when you practice living friendliness, I um, made a little formula. 
which I made about um, 45 years ago to teach children. When I was in Malaysia, I taught children meditation. First thing I taught them was how to practice metta. To make it easy for children, I made this formula, uh, which I recite uh, every morning. Those who are, those who have been coming in the morning, <coughs> have heard me say this. Uh, those messages I composed to teach them metta. In those passages, one passage uh, says, uh, uh, "May all." Uh, unfriendly persons be well, happy, and peaceful. May no harm come to them. May no difficulties come to them. May no problems come to them. May they always meet with success. May they also have patience, courage, understanding, and determination to meet and overcome inevitable difficulties problems and failures in life. When I say this <coughs> and ask others to say, some people have question. They say, this is, this is what that woman in Poland, uh, this is where she had problem with. How can you say, may my unfriendly persons be well, happy, and peaceful. May they be successful, and so forth. Somebody uh, asked me, <coughs> when we say, may they be successful, suppose our adversaries, unfriendly persons, sort of enemies, <coughs> wish to kill us, should we wish them success? So how can we say, may they be successful? How can we say that? What, do, what does it mean? They ask me. What I mean is, <coughs> they are unsuccessful. That is why they are our adversaries. Unsuccessful in what? Unsuccessful in spiritual growth unsuccessful in developing, cultivating friendliness, unsuccessful in mental health, unsuccessful in spiritual achievement, peace, solace, comfort, satisfaction. They are unsuccessful. That is why they have this mentality. I consider them patients who deserve treatment. No right-minded person, balanced person, can hurt others. Say things that, you know, she, she mentioned yesterday, the things that was told her, they would never say if, the, if those people were in balanced state of mind, in right frame of mind. Mentally they are not well. They deserve a lot of treatment. They are sick. Anybody ill treat you verbally, physically, mentally is not in right frame. They are sick. That is why they need our metta. We wish them success in achieving peace, balanced state of mind comfort, solace, good healthy state of mind, so that they, you know, <coughs> if my, I have an enemy, I want my enemy to be peaceful and happy, and even attain full enlightenment, so that my work will be easy. <laughs> I don't have to struggle. Now I have my own defilements. At the same time, if I were to fight with the person, I have double fight. 
more difficulty. Siyabo, let him attain enlightenment first. <laughs> so, so, so I can do my work easily. <laughs> and therefore, without any hesitation, with a very altruistic attitude, very wonderful, wholesome intention, we must wish them peace, happiness, solace, comfort and success. That is a real metta. When we practice metta, <coughs> there should not be anything to block the thought of metta, wave of metta going in every direction. When we want to send metta to all directions, nothing should block it. Nothing should get in the way. It must go freely or in all directions. That is how we feel secure. <coughs> Buddha said, Dhammo have rakkati dhammachari chattang mahantang yatha vasakale esani sangso dhamme suchinne na duggatin gachati dhammachari. He said in Pali, which means uh, one who protects the Dhamma is protected by the Dhamma just like one who protects an umbrella will be protected by the umbrella. This <laughs> is a beautiful simile. When you want to, when you carry an umbrella in the sun and rain and come home, if you throw it here and there and let it be eaten by insects and mice and so forth, that umbrella cannot protect you next time when you want to go out and use it when in rain or sun. When you come home, if you put it in a nice place and if it is wet, you dry it and if it is uh, uh, torn, you mend it and properly take care of it, that umbrella will protect you. Similarly, Buddha said, when we protect the Dhamma, Dhamma protects us. <coughs> How to protect the Dhamma? Protecting Dhamma is not by just writing, in, writing books and putting in cupboard and putting a big padlock and worshipping every day, you know, lighting <laughs> incense and so forth. <laughs> protecting. <laughs> Protecting Dhamma is putting Dhamma into practice. <laughs> when we put Dhamma into practice and live by Dhamma, that is how Dhamma protects us. When we practice Metta, really, literally, honestly, every single day, <coughs> that Metta protects us. She has been protected by the Dhamma. She has been protected by her metta. That is why she has so much courage, determination, strength to come and do all this. The practice of metta. It is so in deeply rooted in her mind that she was able to do all this. When we practice metta, It is not something just we do sitting on a cushion. That of course is a part of it. Very small part is practicing metta in our thoughts, cultivating that intention, that desire, those, these thoughts in our mind. That is one aspect of metta that we can do while sitting, standing, lying down or in any position we can practice that. And the other part of practicing metta is verbalizing, talking. When we talk with somebody, we can talk with metta. We can listen with metta. You know, when we listen with metta, you have enormous patience to listen to other person's problem. 
people don't have patience. Why? Because they don't cultivate metta. You know, when somebody, people need to talk to somebody. When they come and try to talk to you, if you don't have metta, you would not uh, hear what the person says. Uh, you may listen, but never hear. The message goes over your head. And you are always thinking of how to get rid of that person. <clears throat> Sometimes some, uh, like some professional persons. Because they don't want to, they don't cultivate metta. Parents who have a lot of metta can listen to their children. When children come home and complain, parents with enormous metta, they can listen. Friends can listen to other friends with metta. Even strangers can listen to other strangers with metta. And we, when we talk to people, we can talk with metta. How we talk, it is very easy to use the language, as she mentioned yesterday, to hurt somebody. One who does not have metta can easily hurt somebody. That is why the Buddha said, Purisase jatasa kutari jayate mukhe tena chindati atthanang balo dummedhino jana. When we are born, we are born with an axe in our mouth. <laughs> with which we can kill others, destroy others, and ourselves. That actually is our tongue. When we practice metta, we cultivate the thought, good intention <coughs> to talk. That is why we sometimes say, when you talk, people say, watch your tongue. We ask people to, we ask people, watch your mind. Watch your mind. Because the tongue doesn't wag itself. <laughs> the mind, mind gives the order to the tongue to wag. So if there is a good <laughs> metta in our mind, we speak correctly. With patience, with understanding, we talk. We talk gentle words. She was explaining the, the right speech in her talk. And she mentioned some of them. <clears throat> when we talk, we can, uh, with metta, we always choose right words to express our views. We can say the same thing either to anger somebody or to make somebody a friend using proper words. Using proper words, we need, we need metta to use proper, choose proper words. So that we always think the other person also has feelings. In our mindfulness meditation, we must remember mindfulness and metta are not two different things. Although we talk as two different subjects. But these two always go hand in hand. When we have mindfulness, we have metta. How? When we have mindfulness, we understand the universal nature of all, all of us. We all of, all of us have suffering. When we practice mindfulness, we see the suffering of all living beings. And therefore, when we talk, 
talk mindfully, we don't say to increase the suffering. We talk to reduce suffering. So you can see the combination of metta and mindfulness when we talk. We can read a book, Dhamma book particularly, with metta. How can we read Dhamma book with metta? We read with full, total, mindful attention, with the intention of learning the message in the book. For, for our own benefit, our own peace, solace, comfort, and our own liberation from suffering. And then we think, how can I help others? How can I use this message to help somebody else's suffering? How can I use this message to bring peace to somebody else? See, this is how we read a book with metta. That way, we've served two purposes. One, we learn to eliminate our suffering, gain insight for us, gain peace, solace, comfort, happiness to us. At the same time, we want to bring these things to others. That is the purpose of learning Dhamma, listening to Dhamma, reading Dhamma book. So, there again we practice metta. <clears throat> we can learn any skill with metta. You learn computer with metta. You learn computer to teach somebody how to operate computers. You learn computer how to go to internet bring, to bring Dhamma message and send it to others. You learn computer to send the Dhamma message to the world for eliminating world suffering. You learn computer to reduce somebody's pain. You send the message. People ask, you know, you sit at the desk, you have a problem. You don't know how to solve it. You post it on the computer, in the internet. Somebody else will look at it and immediately respond with compassion, with love, with metta, without expecting anything written. The person does not know you at all. So, we, we, if we have a way, there is a way, there is, if we have an intention, a will, there is a way to express metta. We can do physical things with metta. Every, you know, go to toilet. You can do that business and come out with metta. <laughs> How you do that? You clean the toilet uh, seat. You clean that area thinking when next person comes, let this, that person have a good feeling, uh, not very repulsive feeling. Uh, let me clean the sink, the toilet uh, bowl, toilet uh, seat, and the environment, if there is, uh, you know, dripping here and there, you clean it. So when you come back, next person goes, it is very clean, neat, that person feels very comfortable to use that toilet. People, <clears throat> you know, sometimes I stay in uh, motels. When people invite me, they put me in motels. I know motel people are already paid. There are people to clean the linen and so forth. But if there is a time, I clean the room before I leave. 
So when the person comes, that person's work will be easy, simple. It is not my duty, I am not paid for it. I paid rather, my, my sponsors rather pay the hotel, motel. But I clean. We find 1,000 ways of expressing our metta. When we do that, people love us. They don't uh, hesitate to uh, give accommodations. They don't hesitate to associate with us because we are not a bother to them. We all do with it's very simple thing we practice. <coughs> Friends, there are trillions of things to say, Metta, from my own experience. One experience or a beautiful experience I have mentioned in my uh, last chapter of the mindfulness in plain English. Uh, probably you may like to this is my commercial break. <laughs> Some other experiences I have not mentioned. I live in West Virginia. Most Americans know West Virginia is it is quite uh, you know it has a good reputation. <laughs> it is living in West Virginia for a person like myself is not an easy job. When we moved, <coughs> when we. Uh, bought the land and wanted to start the center. My friend who helped me to buy the land went to the neighbor to introduce ourselves. Our neighbors, there's no fence, just the you know, continuous land. <clears throat> went to the friend's uh, section. He was standing on the other side, I mean the neighbors. My friend and myself this side. My friend introduced himself saying, I'm uh, uh, Matt Flickstein and uh, this is Bhanteji. We bought this piece of land to start the meditation center. <coughs> then I, uh, you know, without thinking very naively, I said, uh, Well, when we start the meditation center, when you have a time, uh, please come and meditate with us. Then uh, his response was, you do bloody damn thing you want. I'm a good Christian. That was his response. From that day, for seven years, <clears throat> he really gave us a lot of trouble. Endless, every single day, endless troubles. And we never did anything. We never complained to the sheriff or anybody. Uh, you know, shooting his high-power high rifle and shooting towards our buildings and uh, putting uh, dogs excrement in our mailbox, uh, clubbing the mailbox, shooting the mailbox and uprooting the mailbox, throwing away and removing our signs and asking us to go home and calling names and fill the language. But... Uh, we never did anything. For seven years, we simply sent metta. Every single day. <clears throat> After seven years, uh, they both uh, divorced. A uh, man went to Florida. Uh, wife stays home. Children grew up. They went here and there. The oldest boy went to the Navy. Uh, after two years, he returned. And he returned, <coughs> came to our place, and came and apologized to us. He said, when we were little, we did not know anything. We did whatever our father asked us to do. I went to the Navy and traveled to various places and studied Buddhism 
and found Buddhism to be a very peaceful religion, so I feel guilty. I'm sorry, I came to apologize. This is very, very touching, you know, incident. So I feel, we feel very comfortable. We have no problem anymore from that person. <clears throat> I take a walk every day. Whenever I see somebody, I wave to the person. The person may be driving, I just wave to the person. Some people uh, just look at me, they walked away or drove, never did that. One man was very upset. <laughs> oh, very. He was uh, frowning at me and looking at me in a very you know, angry face and so forth. But I never gave up. <laughs> Every day I waved like this. <laughs> but every day I walked and every day I did that. That went on for one whole year. One day after one whole year he stopped. He stopped frowning, looking at me, showing sour face. He stopped all this. Then I was so pleased that my, my attitude, my action pays off, paid off. After another year, this man driving like this, he lifted one finger. <laughs> <laughs> so it took... <laughs> One whole year to lift one finger. <laughs> then I was very pleased. <laughs> went on doing this. Believe me, after another year he lifted two fingers. <laughs> he took almost five years to lift all the five fingers. When he lifted all the fingers, I felt extremely happy. <laughs> then what I did, one day, when I was uh, walking back, he came driving, driving this way, and he turned to his driveway. That day I did not uh, wave to him because I thought he did not see me. But that day, he stuck his hand out of his window and waved to me. That summer, I saw him, I was walking in a, you know, dirt road. And I saw him parked his pickup truck, sitting on his seat, smoking, opened the door, and he was smoking. I approached him, and I said, uh, it's a beautiful day, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <He> said, <laughs> <laughs> I asked him, asked him uh, where do you live by the way he said in the trailer house under the power line then I said uh, aren't you afraid to live under power line I heard that is uh, not good for your health he said oh, nothing happened to me I have been living there for many years but when I came there, I could not lift even my finger, he said. Then, then I asked him, what happened? He said, just after my birthday, I was driving in a heavy rain, huge tree fell on my car, and I was crushed. My every bone of my body was broken into pieces, Rescue operators came and put me in a plastic bag and took me to John Hopkins University Hospital in Baltimore. Thirteen months later, I gained my consciousness. When I recovered, I came here. 
That was why he could not lift his finger. Had I given up <coughs> on him, I would have never known this story. Then I asked him, uh, you said just after your birthday. When is your birthday? December 8th. I said, that is wonderful. My birthday is December 7th, I said. We both are Sagittarius. <laughs> you know? <laughs> since then, <laughs> since then, this man. When I travel, sometimes he doesn't see me. Then uh, he would, if he see one of our monks, he would ask him, where is that little brown man? <laughs> <laughs> I like him very much. You see, we became friends. So friends, when you start doing something good, maybe very tiny little thing, never give up. You continue to do this, one day it will pay off. <clears throat> so, I think this may be enough of Dhamma talk. And uh, thank you very much for your patient listening. And I really meant what I said, we really have to cultivate metta. You can really see the results. You will definitely be rewarded. Yes. <clears throat> this is an example.